Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET for $20 off your first tickets. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code PLANET at FANDUEL.com for a bonus match of up to $200. Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer, Grant Wall, and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Our producer today is Alex Abnos, and Brian and Grant, it has been way too long since the three of us have been on here together. It's uh, it's good to get the reunion show back. I feel like the first day of school here again, after some time off. Kind of. How's your summer? Uh... (laughs) My summer was good. Thank you. Uh, it was a soccer-filled summer. I just uh, took a couple of weeks off, went down to Peru. No scouting, unfortunately, of the Peru national team uh, ahead of USA-Peru, um, but a lot of nice Peruvians. Interesting. Brian, that, that game's going to be down in, in your neck of the woods. We'll get into that. How, uh, how are you doing today? I'm thrilled to be here. As always. I love yes. it. Yes. I love I was, it. I was not anywhere interesting, so I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Brad Friedel, Carly Lloyd, and AJ De La Garza for for helping fill in uh, with with you guys out. We'll definitely look to get more guests along those lines uh, in future weeks. But you're stuck with the three of us today. Going to talk some Champions League group stage draw, U.S. Men's National Team roster that's coming out uh, on Sunday ahead of the September friendlies, and we will wrap up with some MLS Rivalry Week talk. Um, but first, on to the Champions League. We're taping this on the day of the draw, Thursday. It's held in Monaco, Barcelona, defending champion, first team out of the pot. Uh, and then it went from there. Grant, I just want to get your first take on the groups. Um, what, what stood out for you from the draw? Man United, lucky team. Uh, you look at the draw, they get uh, PSV, the the seeded team that everyone wanted uh, with the change in the in the format this year, allowing uh, champions of last year's domestic leagues in the top seven leagues plus uh, the defending champion of Champions League to be in pot one. Everyone wants PSV. Man United got them along with CSKA Moscow and Wolfsburg, which is busy selling its best player. <laughs> uh, Man United, pretty uh, good return, I would think, in, in the group stage for them. Memphis Depay going to go up against his old team PSV and everyone's favorite Mexican Andres Guardado. Yeah, Chicharito against Guardado could be a cool little CONCACAF matchup if that happens. Brian, uh, what what about you? you you've seen this, these eight groups. What uh, what do you think? Uh, the blue half of Manchester. Uh, we, know, we know that the Champions League draw is not for sale because if it was, Man City <laughs> would not get devastated every <laughs> single year. This has been their draw since going back. Since, since they first qualified or, or since they returned to European competition in 2011, they got Bayern, Napoli, and Villarreal. The next year, Dortmund, Madrid, and Ajax. Uh, then 2014, Bayern, Roma, and Ceska Moscow. And then this year, Juve, Sevilla, and Munchen Gladbach. They've had absolutely brutal draws. Um, so it's just interesting to sort of check in to see how, how these... I don't know. Is Nouveau Riche the wrong thing to say? But, 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 but the, the teams that got investment that changed the course of the, of, of, of the trajectory of the club. Um, it's interesting to sort of watch their path through Europe as they go up and, and try to figure out the Champions League and learn how to play uh, these entrenched powers. Uh, it took Chelsea nine years 
under Abramovich uh, to win the European title. Um, Man City is now entering uh, its eighth season uh, under the ownership of Abu Dhabi. Uh, PSG now entering its fifth uh, under the ownership of Qatar. It's interesting to watch their progression. Yeah, that seems like a pretty sound point to me, Grant. I would also say I'm really looking forward to Fabian Johnson once he gets healthy playing in a difficult group here for Gladbach with Man City, Juventus, and Sevilla. We've been waiting a long time for an American of any sort to have much of a role in in real Champions League group stage play. And Gladbach's gotten off to sort of a rough start in the Bundesliga, but I still think they're capable of of doing something in a very difficult group here. I think Man City's going to win the group. And Juventus, I'm still waiting to see how they're going to handle having the losses that they've had and whether they'll be able to be the team that they've been in recent years. Yeah, they slipped up against Udinese at home on their Serie A opener. And for Fabian Johnson, this is like Jurgen Klinsmann's dream, right? Yeah. You test yourself at the highest level against the highest competition. Uh, just, just like Sasha Kleschen did. Yeah, I mean, look, he's... he's <laughs> like good that did for him with yeah, the I, team. I wonder if there's a standard across the board for all players. Uh, Jermaine Jones has been in the Champions League as well recently. Um but that's going to be a test. He's obviously he's hurt right now, so he's probably going to miss the first the first group games um, based on the timetable that we're looking at. Um, other groups, uh, when you got through the first two pots, you saw PSG and Real Madrid in one group, uh, Bayern Munich, Arsenal in another. You thought that those are shaping up to be the groups of death, and then the bottom halves of those group kind of kind of flailed out a little bit. Uh, not that shocked hard. I mean, they've they've proven they can be a, a thorn in the side of of teams, although they've they've lost a lot of their top talent. From past years, it'll be cool to see Zlatan Ibrahimovic go back to his hometown in Malmo. Uh, the reception he's going to get when PSG shows up for that game, I would imagine, is going to be incredible. Um, and hey, look for for Arsenal. Uh, at least they can't lose to Bayern in the knockout stage and the round of sixteen <laughs> this year. Uh, it's it's a look. It's a good group for them um, to get out. Uh, it's going to be tough to finish first, I would think, Grant. Yeah, Olympiacos and Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, Arsenal is better than those teams, though Olympiacos can be a bit of a wild card, as we've seen over the years. Um, but, you know, Arsenal and Bayern, you figure to get through there pretty well. When I look around these groups uh, and you try and maybe see uh, a team that could be a surprise team to get out of the group stage, and uh, I look at Group H, you know, Zenit, Valencia, Lyon, and Ghent. Um, and, and maybe a, a Lyon, despite being a third seed, can get out of there. I, I think Zenit was a pretty weak pot one team. Um, you know, we've seen them play over the years. They're, they're not of a certain level. Um, and then, um, you know, looking around in other places here, uh, Group C, Benfica, Atletico Madrid, Galatasaray, and Astana. I'd like to see a team like Galatasaray make a bit of a run. Um, you know, they have some interesting players on that team. Podolski now, um, you know, Snyder's still there. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, and I think Turkish soccer, in, in a sense, kind of needs to have a, a positive story. We haven't seen the Turkish national team do much for a very long time. They've been underperforming, and the clubs uh, in Turkey haven't really uh, done as well in European competition as maybe you, you would have thought in recent years. Yeah, I, I mean, that group, I think, is looking up. I mean, Atletico Madrid, you couldn't ask for a better draw coming out of that second pot. I don't think. I mean, they, they're they shaping up to, to do well. And five teams from Spain uh, yeah. in, in the group stage. And I think all are poised to get out. Sevilla, that's that's the only one, really. Um, but 
uh, you know, back-to-back Europa League champions, of course. Um, it's, I think Spain is definitely shaping up to have it be their kind of Champions League again. But look, it, it all, you know, it all depends on the knockout draws, and we're far from that. Uh, defending champion Barcelona, uh, Brian, their their group, Bayer Leverkusen, Roma, and then Bait, uh, Bate. I know. What uh, <laughs> what what do you think of that? Uh, I don't know. Wake me in the quarterfinals. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, the group stage, we're torn, right? I mean, I, I remember someone, I don't remember the context, but I think it was, an, I, I think it was a discussion about the NCAA tournament and, and, and sort of someone writing about, uh, you know, what makes the NCAA tournament so compelling is, is the Cinderella's, you know, the Butler's, the George Mason's, the VCU's. Um, but then when they play, their ratings aren't very good. You know, pe- people, people like Cinderella's in theory, but, but in practice, when they turn on the TV, they want to watch the heavyweights. And so while, while five teams from Spain, I mean, a quarter of La Liga is in the group stage of the Champions League. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't even think fourth place teams should get in. I have, you know, gold, silver, bronze. If you don't win one of those, you're not in. Um, but yet these are the best teams and these are the teams people want to watch. And, and, and if you have, I mean, the last, the last real Cinderella in a, in a Champions League quarterfinal was Apoel in, in, in 2012. I, mean, I love maybe those Galata- Maybe Galatasaray the following year. Um, but for the most part, it's the heavyweights that move on deep, and that's where the games get tough. I mean, for, for most of these teams, for most of the big teams, there's maybe one other team in the group that's going to give them trouble. Um, and, uh, and obviously, you know, Barcelona can, can, can skate through with, uh, you know, half a B team on the field if they need to. I'll just say I would like to see more surprises in Champions League and in the group stage seems almost like it has an air of inevitability a lot of times. Um, and yet we watch. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be watching the games, uh, uh, looking forward to it every, uh, just about every Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but yeah, it, it'd be kind of neat to see another Apoel type run. And we, I mean, we get the the upsets, but they're one-offs. I don't think they really carry across the entire group. You know, you might see an up an upset of, of a power at home or, or on the road, and then they bounce back when the rest of their game's like they're expected to, and then it's, you know, thanks for playing. Um, it makes for good theater. I, I think it would be great if, you know, we saw Astana take Atletico Madrid to, to the wire. That would that would be fantastic. Lucas Podolski, by the way, doing his... His, uh, his duty to, <laughs> to, to make a Borat reference, uh, first team from Kazakhstan, of course, going to, uh, going to the Champions League group stage. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, I think we can, we can look at these groups and, and probably do a pretty good job of picking the two teams who are going to go yeah. through, uh, and, and even the third place teams that'll go to the Europa League uh, after, after the group stage. star, of course, uh, is Foxy, a midfielder from the Central African Republic. <laughs> I, I have I have this from sources on the ground. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. I love that you have sources on the ground in Kazakhstan. Uh, one thing, uh, Chelsea. Chelsea has has Porto. It's a reunion for Jose Mourinho, one of his former teams. One of the cooler storylines, and you know you see these these storylines kind of develop as the draw happens. You start thinking, oh, who used to play where? Who used to coach where? What about this matchup when they played in the final here and this and that? Uh, Grant, what what are these other storylines that you saw? We've already touched on Memphis Depay. Yeah, we talked about uh, Ibrahimovic going up against Malmo, his old team. Um, you know, just looking around here at the groups right now, we've seen Bayern play Arsenal quite a bit in recent years, and I kind of like to see Arsenal make a statement. 
you know, and, and at least holds serve at home against Bayern. Uh, and then we'll find out how maybe for real Arsenal might be. And, you know, I'd also like to see an English team just do well in the Champions League this flat-up. year. Because for anyone who says that the Premier League is the best league in the world, it's pretty hard to say that when they're not coming close to winning the Champions League. And uh, so I do think that there are English teams that are capable of winning Champions League. I think uh, I think Man City, potentially Chelsea, potentially. Um, yeah, I don't know as much about Arsenal or Man United this season, but maybe at least making a run. But I'd like to see you know a team from England make a run. I do think the Premier League is the most entertaining league in in the world. But let's you know see if they can find a way to make an argument for being the best. We'll yeah. see. We'll see a reunion between uh, Mourinho and Iker Casillas as well. Uh, when Chelsea and Porto play. Uh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Nice. That'll be strange seeing seeing Eker in a in I I haven't seen Porto. I mean like I still haven't seen Eker in a in another team's jersey, but it, it'll be interesting. Well, I guess goalies always wear weird jerseys. Never mind. That was stupid. Anel <laughs> <laughs> Di Maria going up against Real Madrid uh in wearing a, a PSG uniform, that's another one. Um, back to the the Premier League point, I think a lot of defenders of the Premier League would say, well, well these teams beat themselves, beat each other up. Uh, over the course of the year, it's the deepest league. It's not a. I don't know if I agree with this necessarily, but uh, you'll you'll hear people say that teams in Germany and Spain can can take a few weeks off. You know, maybe not go full throttle because of of the lower level of competition and the lower half of the league. Maybe we'll see. Um, but I I think that this is a year that English Premier League teams, given what they spend on these teams and on these players, it's time to to kind of show up um, and, and make a statement. Um, but hey, Champions League will start uh, September 15th, I believe, is, is the first day of the knockout stage. It ends May 28th in Milan, where neither AC Milan or Inter Milan will get a chance to play for the title at home because neither is in the Champions League. Good to finally have a big game in Milan again. <laughs> it's what happened to those two teams, man. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, a little word from our sponsor, and then be right back. From MLS and European football to NFL games and MLB playoffs, there's nothing like seeing the action up close. With the new SeatGeek app, it's never been easier to find a great deal, pay for your tickets, and get to your seat with a few taps of your phone. And for listeners of the show, use the promo code PLANET in the SeatGeek app and get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. It takes less than a minute to download, and the app is free in iPhone and Google Play stores. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites don't such as aggregating from big-ticket sites. Just like you can consolidate flight and hotel options online, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of online ticket sellers to create a one-stop shop for sports and concert tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. Also, they have this great feature called DealScore. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map of the venue so you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and reliable. If you decide to catch a game with your friends at the last minute, don't subject yourself to sketchy scalpers or fake tickets. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. To redeem your promo code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today. 
Enter promo code PLANET in the app, and SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. Find the best deals on world football, NFL preseason, and concert tickets too, all on SeatGeek. And again, don't forget to claim your $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase by downloading the SeatGeek app and entering the promo code PLANET. All right, welcome back. Uh, Going to transition a little bit now to U.S. Men's National Team Talk. We talked about Fabian Johnson in the Champions League. He will not be part of the roster for the September friendlies against Peru and Brazil because he is injured. However, Jurgen Klinsmann has some decisions to make. These are these are a pair of, uh, of friendlies that carry a little bit more significance than usual, Grant, I would say because of the manner in which the U.S. lost in the Gold Cup and because of what's on the horizon, of course, in October against Mexico. Yeah, they do. You know, I think everyone's really pointing toward October 10th right now, USA-Mexico for a spot in the Confederations Cup in the Rose Bowl. Um, And people want to see something out of Jurgen Klinsmann's team that is beyond the sort of malaise that we saw during really all of the Gold Cup, not just the the semifinal loss against Jamaica, but in most of the tournament as well. Um, And for me, the big question, if there's going to be one, is will Jeff Cameron be called in? Uh, here's a guy who's been playing at center back for Stoke City in a pretty good league, Premier League. Uh, we haven't seen him in a U.S. camp for quite a while. Now, the word this summer was that Stoke actually didn't want him to play with the U.S. team this summer because they felt like he uh, has been fatigued, that he's been asked to do a lot in the summer's last couple years. Um, but we haven't really seen Jurgen Klinsmann say too much about Jeff Cameron. And so uh, let's see if he gets called in, and let's see if he does get called in, will he get the start uh, in the central defense? Because uh, the John Brooks-Ventura-Alvarado pairing, uh, not great marks uh, during Gold Cup, and Klinsmann stuck with them. But uh, you know, this is a game that you got to win on October 10th against Mexico, and you would probably want to have your best center backs in there. I think Jeff Cameron has to be one of them. I think Omar Gonzalez is probably one of them too. I'd agree with that. Um, and and these two games are the last bit of preparation. Um, you know, teams obviously they've got their MLS seasons, they've got their Premier League seasons, other other leagues. But but this you know the the one in October counts. Brian, uh, what what about you? What, what do you think about the squad that will be released uh, Sunday? I believe. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm waiting for it. I'm uh, not going to leave my desk until it comes out. So. Um, sleeping eating here. Uh, you know, Jurgen. Jurgen said Jurgen is not a second guesser. You know, Jurgen is not a guy who who sort of uh, Jurgen is not plagued by self doubt. Let's put it that way. So um, you know, he said after the Jamaica game that the uh, that the team he's going to take to the uh, Rose Bowl will be very similar. Those are the words he used uh, to the team he used in the Gold Cup. Uh, you know, he said this week that he may look at a few new players, but that there is going to be continuity. Uh, between the roster he named Sunday and 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 the team that goes to Los Angeles, um, and and I don't think this is a time where he's going to experiment. I mean, in a sense, uh, experimenting in a sense, calling in the likes of Sebastian Legette, Ethan Finley, Dax McCarty, Eric Lehigh, Benny Thalhaber. I mean, go through the list. W- will be to sort of admit maybe that he didn't get it right at the Gold Cup, and he told us over and over that that was the roster that was built and named to win the Gold Cup, and and and. You know, rather than sort of come out and say, yeah, you know, it really wasn't. Um, you know, I think he's going to stick with the majority of the guys that he called in. 
you know, save an injury here or there. Uh, the other big name that's likely to be missing is Clint Dempsey, uh, who has a hamstring issue, uh, who, who's been out for Seattle. Um, and he's the guy who scored all the goals at the Gold Cup, in case people weren't watching. I mean, this is a massive, massive loss uh, for the U.S. Where are the goals going to come from? Uh, Josie Altidore, who's just now sort of cutting back into form. I mean, who's next? Aaron Johansson, Bobby Wood, um, you know, Will Bruin. I mean, you know, Chris Wondolowski is the leading uh, uh, U.S. eligible goal scorer in MLS right now. I mean, I, I guess people are tired of seeing his name, but he's still a guy who, who, who's in decent form and can finish. Um, so, you know, a lot of questions heading into these games for, for, for Klinsman without Dempsey, uh, without Fabian Johnson, and without some players that are probably in better form uh, than the guys he named to the Gold Cup roster. How dare you leave Alan Gordon off of that list? How dare you? Um, <laughs> he should just call up as many Galaxy players as he can, right? I mean, hey, that's man. really what he should do. That would work. Uh, yeah. who, who, right now, LA Galaxy versus U.S. national team. Who's your pick? Uh, that's, that's, I don't want to answer that question. Right? I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're really good. Uh, Andrew Wooten is a guy uh, who's who's scoring goals in, in the Bundesliga's, uh, the second division in Germany, I should say. Uh, there are reports that he's in the mix to be called up. Jürgen Klinsmann addressed that uh, on U.S. Soccer's website. Uh, I tend to agree with you, Brian. It's not the time for experimentation. Um, but then you see these reports. What do you make of that? I mean, is is this the time to bring in a guy who does not have a senior cap? You know, I mean, Jurgen Jurgen loves guys who who do well in 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 Germany. You know, and that's a fact. He 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 really really values uh, the competitiveness and the and the and the development there. He thinks highly of of. German soccer and someone who's doing well in German soccer is going to catch his eye. That's the way he's always been. So, um, you know, you can always point to inconsistencies in, in the things he says and does. Um, you know, and there is room on this roster. There's room on a 23-man roster for two or three guys who he wants to get a look at. Um, but the core, and, and obviously with Dempsey out, uh, with Altador, give or take, I mean, may, maybe the room is up top. Um, but for the most part, you know, uh, you know, the guys he relied on at the Gold Cup, especially in back, Alvarado, Brooks, Chandler. I mean, he called Beasley in. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what Yedlin's situation is. I mean, he'll, he, he might have just started alone uh, with a new team uh, by the time the U.S. gathers uh, here in D.C. to train. So I'm not sure what his status is. Greg Garza, perhaps back in the fold. Uh, but we're going to see we're going to see Jurgen. Uh, you know, now's not the time where he's going to introduce a ton of new blood to a team because he wants to try to f- get guys into a rhythm uh, for a game in October. And that, and that result in October is going to, you know, it, it's going to have an impact. And people are going to draw conclusions about uh, Klinsman's tenure four years in, I think, based upon how the U.S. does in that game. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's a good point you make about the transfer window because for guys who are uh, on the move, you know, making a, a deadline day move and then two days later leaving to go to, to U.S. camp uh, potentially could could cause some complications. Uh, so that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Uh, Grant, one name who we know is going to be in the mix, Tim Howard. Yeah. Uh, a year later, a year plus removed from, from the World Cup that he had, uh, back in from hiatus. Uh, what, what do you make of this? We sat here um, talking to Brad Friedel, who, who shed some light on that. Uh, it looks like Brad Guzan's going to get the start uh, in the first game against Peru, but but what do you think, Tim Howard back? Well, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing to have competition between guys 
uh, in the goalkeeper position. We haven't really seen a battle for number one in a really long time, and we're about to see that begin. Now, Klinsman comes out and says, Tim Howard's going to be my, my number two for now, Brad's, uh, Guzan's number one, uh, but that could change very quickly. And so both these guys are starting in the Premier League right now. Um, you know, I know Everton fans are sort of down on Tim Howard a little bit over the past year, but he's still capable of doing some very good things on the field. Uh, and let's see how he does wearing a, a U.S. national team jersey again. I think he's pretty motivated to come back in and win his job back. I don't think he wants to be a backup goalkeeper with the national team. Uh, and let's see how it plays out. Um, you know, Brad Guzan, on the other hand, has, has done well at times uh, as the number one for the U.S., and I don't think he wants to give it up either. And, um, you know, over the years when there has been a competition, very famously between Casey Keller and Brad Friedel, there was some real animosity between those guys. And uh, we've never seen that in the past, really, between Guzan and Tim Howard. Uh, but how will people respond? There's only one guy who really can be a starter. Yeah, I I think it's good for uh, a young defense that a guy like Tim Howard is around, especially if he does accept the number two role from, from the start. Anyway, obviously, he's competing for that number one shirt. But uh You've got these center backs who, who positioning has, has been an issue. And, you know, maybe Tim Howard helps correct some things that coaches can't or that other defenders can't or that Brad Guzan even can't uh, in training. Uh, could be a little thing, could be an intangible. Brian, what, what do you think about Tim Howard's return? Uh, you, you read my mind, and it's frightening because I'm a couple hundred miles away. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, one of the things that sort of popped in, I, I spent some time with Brad at the, at the Gold Cup and, and, you know, over an hour with him sort of talking about his – his longtime role as, as 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 Howard's backup and sort of how he felt sort of finally being the number one at a at a at a, at a major tournament um, and and the opportunity to sort of showcase what he could do and and from from our vantage point in the press box he was quite good uh, you know he 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 made several good saves um, yes there was the sort of the, the the bizarre handball call against Jamaica in the semifinal but but apart from that uh, there was nothing that we could see from our vantage point. That led you to believe that he wasn't ready to to really sort of hold on to the number one shirt. But then there's the thing we can't see, and that's exactly what you just brought up. We can't tell from the press box, and and obviously we're not at training, how he handles organizing his defense, how he communicates, um, how effectively he's able to get young center backs, newer players on the same page. That's not stuff that we can really be privy to. And when you watch Alvarado and Brooks struggle, and everybody saw them struggle apparently except for Jurgen. Um, it's fair to ask whether or not a different goalkeeper uh, may have organized or may have communicated a bit differently. And that's not to say that I think Brad Guzan didn't do those things. It's just impossible for us to tell from where we are. And, and of course, you know, when you ask the players, they sort of tell you what, what, what they think you want to hear. So um, I think you're spot on. I think having a, a different, more veteran voice in there, uh, not that Brad isn't a veteran, but a different voice, um, Howard commands respect. He, he's loud. He, he, you know, he's, he's been around. Um, maybe that has a different effect on the chemistry uh, of the back four in front of him. So that's something that's worth watching for. Another thing to keep in mind is that Jurgen Klinsmann's right-hand man, Andy Herzog, will not be with the team in September or October for the big game against Mexico. He is the under-23 coach. He's got Olympic qualifying coming up in October. He's got games with the under-23s coming up during this September window. 
And I've talked to a few people inside that team who think that Herzog is actually pretty important as a guy who kind of keeps the trains running on time when the team is together and, and organized and that, uh, that Klinsman can be a little, little ADD was the term that was used uh, by a couple of people I talked to uh, looking ahead to this camp uh, in September and October. So uh, that's another thing that, you know, we don't go to all of training uh, every day as journalists, and the fans aren't there either, but something that uh, I know players are going to be keeping an eye on too. That's interesting, and it's intangibles like that that we might not see over the course of 90 minutes uh, that that can make a difference. Um, huh. Well, we will uh, we will see what happens for sure. Uh, again, two two big games. Uh, Brazil bringing a, a pretty you know, pretty strong team. No, no Coutinho, which I think is, is I don't know what Dunga is saying, but uh, even so against, against Peru at RFK stadium in DC, and then against Brazil at Gillette stadium and Foxborough, Massachusetts, uh, two games that will tell us a lot as we head towards an October game against Mexico. A couple quick points I wanted to make first, Peru, not the total tomato can that you might think they are. They just finished third in the Copa America this past summer. have always been, not as good as the sum of their parts usually, but uh, they're in a good run of form. Having been to Peru, they're very excited about their national team right now. I was going to ask you about saying, that. We're going to save it for next week, though. The, but uh, go ahead. They're saying, uh, you know, in the newspaper surveys there, they were going to qualify for the World Cup, and, and Peru has not been to the World Cup since 1982. I went back and checked. Um, so, uh, pretty good challenge uh, in DC. And then uh, Dunga, uh, I had one of my more memorable dust-ups in a press conference with the guy at uh, the Olympics in 2008 in Beijing uh, after uh, they lost to Argentina in the semifinals. And it was an ugly game, and there was a red card, all these yellows. And uh, in the press conference afterward, I, I asked Dunga, um, you know, zero goals, uh, one red card, so many yellows. Uh, what happened to the beautiful game of Brazil? And he got all angry. And... Uh, he ended up uh, thinking I was British or English, and he goes, uh, well, if you haven't won a world championship since 1966, then you know, there's not, not much I can do for you. And that, at that point, became bewildering. And um, so I'm looking forward to seeing Dunga again. Uh, <laughs> it, I became a bit of a sideshow with all these Brazilian journalists interviewing me after that one. So the the real game will be taking place at the post game press conference. Then is is what, we, is what I'm saying. looking forward to it. I don't think Dunga was a good hire based on uh, everything that happened with the seven one loss uh, on home soil at the World Cup. I think it was time for an innovator, maybe even a non Brazilian, to be brought in as the national team coach. And instead, they hired the guy who coached the team in 2010. Well, Wall v Dunga, get excited! <laughs> I will I will be setting my DVR. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on from from the U.S. men to the U.S. women real quickly. Uh, Kristen Press from the U.S. women's national team stopped by SI Now this week to talk with Maggie Gray about the team's ongoing victory tour, uh, playing in NWSL, and that Alex Morgan tweet about the bed bugs. Uh, so here's a clip from that interview, and you can watch the whole thing on Planet Football. have tried to give women's professional soccer a chance before and it hasn't been able to stick. Why can this league stick? 
Well, this league is doing really well. It's um, set up completely different than past leagues where U.S. Soccer has helped supporting the league and some of the teams are, are linked up with the MLS teams. And that's great for us um, to have some joint ownership and to share stadiums and kind of get involved in the community in that way. I think that with each year, the quality is getting better and better. Um, and it's important for us as players to keep pushing that. That's our contribution to the game. Um, and I think that this league has a long way to go, but they're taking it step by step in, in a manageable way. Soccer wise, the product's getting better, but we saw from Alex Morgan, travel wise, things were not good. Staying in hotels with bed bugs and with mold. She had to send out a tweet. It seemed like she was just at her wits end and hopefully it got the attention of the National Women's Soccer League and the people who are in charge. Have you noticed any changes in the travel accommodations since Alex sent out that tweet? A hundred percent. I think, you know, Kansas City, they switched the hotel purely because of all, you know, the media storm that followed that tweet. Um, and I think that it kind of shows a bigger issue than just the accommodations. It shows that we're in a new league. Um, not everything is fabulous. And I think a lot of people, they look at the national team and they think, you know, this is such a dream. And, you know, it is a hundred percent wouldn't have any other job, but it's a really hard lifestyle. And, and when you go to the National Women's Soccer League, you know, it's not always the bells and whistles and the perks. Um, and so we're, we're struggling through that and we're trying to get more fans to come to the games and do more appearances so that we can, you know, have a better lifestyle because we love this sport and we're trying to, we're trying to grow the game. It's fantastic, Kristen. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Here at Planet Football, we know which one is the real football. But in case the other football is your thing, you've probably heard of our new sponsor, FanDuel. It's one of the most talked about new fantasy sites in the world. Here's what it's all about. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Look, we all love fantasy football, but a lot of fans miss out because the whole season is just too much of a time commitment. FanDuel does away with that. You can draft a team anytime and drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes. Entry fees start at just $1 and there's a league for everyone. Week 1 NFL games are already live in the FanDuel lobby, so you don't have to wait another day to start building your teams. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and now it's your turn. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use the code PLANET, P-L-A-N-E-T, and sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code PLANET, P-L-A-N-E-T, today, so don't get left out. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. Now, welcome back once again. We're going to close with MLS Rivalry Week. Uh, got some some interesting matchups on the horizon this weekend ahead of a, a playoff race, a uh, home stretch, if you will. It seems like everyone's fighting for second to, to finish behind the Galaxy, in, in my opinion, but that's another story for another day. Brian Strauss, I want to start with you. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend and, and some of these matchups? Uh, it's a little bit of a lazy rivalry week. Uh, I feel like MLS kind of just quit planning it in the middle and kind of went to lunch. Um, cause you know, there's some good ones. I mean, you, you got, 
you got San Jose, LA, you got, you got Seattle, Portland, DC, New York, but then they just kind of gave up. I'm sorry, Toronto, Montreal, you know, I mean, Colorado, no Colorado RSL, they're both in action. Um, no Houston sporting both in action, not against each other. Maybe Chicago Columbus is a thing. It should be, but they're not playing each other. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of disappointing. I wish there was, there were, there were a few more good matchups. Um, by far, uh, the game I am looking forward to the most is, uh, the, uh, California Classico in, at, at sold out Avaya stadium, uh, San Jose, LA, uh, the earthquakes, um, may have had like, when was the last time an MLS team had as weak, as good as San Jose had last week, uh, without winning a trophy? Uh, they blasted sporting Kansas city, five, nothing in Kansas city, but then they came East, uh, to DC, DC United leading the East, shut them out at RFK. Uh, they've won three in a row. They haven't given up a goal. And, and they're now tied with Seattle for the last playoff spot with a game in hand. I mean, they've just come out of nowhere, um, and it would be shocking except that this is kind of what Don Kinnear does. Uh, they've added Quincy Amiroquois. They've added Anibal Godoy. Both have been fabulous. Um, and they're going up against, obviously, an L.A. team that uh, is a buzzsaw, you know, that they're, they're, they're Jedi Knights with the ball. They're amazing. They're killing people. Uh, they may be the best team MLS has ever seen. And we're going to get a real showdown. We're going to see if San Jose's for real, if they can slow L.A. down uh, at home. And, and make a run for a playoff spot with, 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 a, with a few additions that have really changed the chemistry uh, of that club. So I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. Plus, it's on MLS SAP on Friday night. Not what it used to be. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> can't wait for this one, especially the way San Jose played last week, especially the way L.A. is just killing everybody right now. I'm excited to see Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos get a sense of what a really good MLS rivalry is going into a hostile place uh, and playing a difficult team to play against. Dom Kinnear does this so often in this league, but uh, he's got San Jose in a good spot. And if I'm not mistaken, seven of their last eight games at home uh, for the Earthquakes as well. So... If I'm Seattle right now, I'm actually pretty concerned about making the playoffs when you look at San Jose as a team that right now, I would say, has the inside track to get there. Um, I'm going to be at the uh, D.C.-New York Red Bulls game on, on Sunday, which is first place against second place uh, on uh, the Fox game uh, Sunday night. And I was talking to Chris Rolfe yesterday uh, about this game, and um, he's really looking forward to it. You know, uh, he said... Uh, you know, they've been in first most of the season with D.C., but there's a real frustration there right now about how they're conceding goals early in games, putting themselves behind, and they've come back on a few of those games, but they really don't want to make this a habit that continues through the playoffs. In uh, New York, even though they did lose to Chicago uh, midweek here, uh, they got some games in hand, uh, and if they can win this game against their rival D.C., you'd have to think that New York might be the favorite to actually win the East. Yeah, I think I think DC slipping, and and I think as as wonderful as Chris Rolfe has been this year, he's got nine goals and I don't know four or five assists, something like that. Um, he, he at this point, kind of right now, is sort of on an island creatively with that team. Uh, you know, they're using Davy Arnold and Perry Kitchen often in the middle, um, and without Fabiana Spindola, who's who's been hurt, uh, you know, it's easy for defenses to key on Rolfe and 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 sort of slow DC down. So so not only are they they uh, giving up early goals, but they they they've been lacking that 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 final bit of, 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 of skill technique magic in the, in the final third that sort of can often make the difference. So I, you know, right now, uh, although they're trailing in the standings, um, you know, the Red Bulls are the team that despite the loss in Chicago, I, I would pick at this point to, to finish first in the East and, and maybe even a team like Columbus. 
could, could, could get on a roll and, and move up as well. So DC needs to try to turn things around. Um, at the same time, I don't, I still don't know that enough, uh, respect, uh, and attention is given to, to DC United for what they've accomplished over the past year and a half. I mean, really, really without, uh, spending a lot of money without big foreign signings, really just going through the draft and 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 sort of some some recycled MLS veterans that have found new life at RFK Stadium. Uh, ben Olsen's had this team on top of the standings for a year and a half, and that's really impressive what they've done. And and I don't mean to sort of take away from that by what I've just said, but they are they do need to sort of find a run of form here. I think to hold off a couple teams chasing them. Yeah, and as we've seen in, in MLS, you can be horrible for a summer and do great in the playoffs you can be great all season and then collapse at the wrong time uh so you know it's pretty imperative dc avoids uh the latter um seattle portland uh, it just it doesn't need any introduction at this point it, it's uh I, I mean look it, it helps i think the fact that seattle is is kind of in a, a perilous place in the standings although you know with all their new additions i I ultimately think they'll be fine. I actually think that this is the year we finally get three, all three Cascadia teams in the playoffs, which can make for some of the best, uh, best drama that we've seen uh, in October going into November, um, you know, maybe ever uh, in MLS. But this, this game, the Sounders need to win, Grant, um, and I, I think that helps. Obviously, when the, when the stakes are higher, Dempsey or, or no Dempsey, uh, this this is going to be a game to watch. No, it will be. There's a lot of pressure at home against a Portland team that uh, is above them in the standings. Uh, it's kind of crazy to me. No team in this league has lost more games this year than the Seattle Sounders. Uh, they've lost 13 games. They really fell off a cliff this summer once Clint Dempsey was not regularly with the team. Uh, doesn't figure to be with them again this week. I guess we'll see how the injury situation uh, looks there. But uh, Seattle, that is a major league city when it comes to soccer. You know, it feels major league there. It's treated as a big deal. And there's real pressure when you don't succeed. They're not succeeding right now. And so that makes this game even more important, I think, on Sunday for them to win. I would look for Obafemi Martins to to kind of play a, a big role. And, you know, you have the argument who is more valuable to Seattle, Martins or Dempsey. Uh, I It's Martins' time to show that that it's him, right? I mean, this is, this is put up a shut-up time. Um, Brian, any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, just wanted to mention Vancouver uh, winning the Canadian Championship uh, this week, uh, beating Montreal. Um, Canadian change the Voyagers Cup's been around, I think, like since 2002 or, or something. It's been around for a long time, and this is the first time Vancouver's won it. And this is a tournament that only had two or three teams at times. Um, Vancouver's been runner-up seven times, and I, I wonder if there's like any team in the world that's been runner-up in the same thing seven times and never won it. Um, so it had to be a good feeling at BC Place when they won that, uh, which qualified them for the next edition of the Champions League, which is kind of screwed up because we're just starting this one. Uh, <laughs> there's a long time to wait. But, um, you know, that, that's something. this is a young team. They're fun to watch. I feel like you always get your money's worth when, when, you, know, when, when, when you watch Vancouver. Um, and uh, this, this is, the, you know, now they've won something. Now they have a taste in their mouth of what it's like to actually get over the hump and win a trophy. Um, and, uh, you know, they're chasing L.A. In, in the West, but, you know, not a team I want to play in the playoffs. Fair point. I think it's a good place to call it a day. Um, I want to thank Grant Wall, Brian Strauss for, for joining us, being back uh, on the podcast. It's good to, good to have you guys all here. Alex Abnos, killing it as always as our producer. I am Avi Creditor. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.
Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.